0: For NFT newbies and OGs in Web3 alike, welcome to the Women in Web3 podcast sponsored by Weld Recruiting. I'm your host, Carly Long, and I'm super excited to help break down the barriers to entry in the space and introduce you to some leaders who are doing truly amazing things. So let's dive in. Welcome everyone. Today we have Debbie joining us on the Women in Web 3 podcast. She is the co-founder of Hug, which I will let her explain all about. And she's done a laundry list of other amazing accomplishments. Um, So Debbie, go ahead, tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got into Web 3 and what you're working on.
1: Uh, Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kali. Such a pleasure to be here. Uh, So yeah, I'm Debbie. I'm the co-founder of Hug, like Kali said, alongside the one and only Randy Zuckerberg, whom I'm sure her name um, and reputation precedes her. Uh, But yeah, as for myself, I'm Singapore born and raised, uh, kind of got my career started off on the investment and finance side of things and then spent the past four years or so in startups. So I love building. I love building anything and everything from the ground up. And now I'm working on Hug with Brandy, which is essentially a social curation and discovery platform, as well as an accelerator program for um, creators in Web3.
0: That is so awesome. You are the most humble. Uh, For those of you who are listening in, Debbie has launched three multi-million dollar businesses. Um, Yes, I did my homework. (laughs) Um, And I know you've worked with M13, you've done partnerships with Allbirds, you've done A ton of awesome, awesome work. How does all of launching those super successful businesses, which I'm guessing are seemingly like what air quotes people would call web two, compare to launching Hug and growing that? And what made you want to dive in to Hug?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and and you know it's so funny because I always feel like all of these things that happen in your life, and you have no idea how it is all going to ladder up into what you're currently doing. But um, when I look back on it now, like everything seems to make sense in that regard. Uh, But yeah, I would say starting from my investment days, I've always been focused on investing in consumer companies and especially consumer companies all over the world. So I would say that since over 10 years ago, I've been very fixated on what drives consumer behavior and what consumers get excited about and what are the big massive consumer trends that we're seeing so over 10 years ago that was the rise of social media it was about the millennial generation it was um you know the rise of the creative economy which is still happening today and i'm sure we will get into uh, but yeah that was you know everything that i have been focused on and even in the middle of that i founded um an, my first business as a side hustle which was actually an indoor cycling studio And that was very much, I guess, real life community building, which um, I had never really looked at that uh, in that regard. I had always kind of viewed that as my my foray into fitness and running a fitness boutique fitness studio, I guess, because that was what it was. But if I would appeal, appeal down the layers behind all of that was really kind of building a group of a community of people that would come together and really share in that experience and sharing that same interest. Uh, and then from that, like you mentioned, I went on to work for a startup where I was the startup within a startup person. So I've done kind of expanding into new markets like Japan. I've built an esports slash gaming business and I've also built an e commerce business. And I think across all of those, you know, I've seen gaming obviously huge on community, huge on like counterculture or like a subculture that other people might think is completely crazy and they just don't get if they're not in it. And then obviously for e commerce, like um, something that I feel, which is what NFTs really got me excited about anyway, was because I felt that it was really the gateway drug into crypto or Web3, because it really was just, in my mind, just consumer goods on the blockchain. And so uh, all of these things, even though they were all so different, I just felt like when I look at my past kind of 12 years of experience and how that has landed me in Web3 today, uh, you know, it all of it has a role to play in terms of how we elevate creators in this new, new realm that we're living in.
0: That is incredible. And for anyone who Googles Hug, they will see that you guys are home to What I read was 27, it might be more now, different NFT communities and you have a reach of what, again, what I read was 650,000, probably growing in this very moment. How have you made that conglomerate? What is the importance of community in Web3 that you're seeing for people who want to start their own community where should they start? Um, this is a loaded question, but take it in any direction that you want. <laughs> yeah, no.
1: Um, and yeah, your right, it is so hard to keep track of now because through our accelerator program, we probably mentor, I think, close to 40 different projects and artists as well. And, you know, really exciting to see, um, you know, just even going beyond a regular PFP project, right? So um, there are, like, most of these projects are token-gated communities, but some of these are just arts for art for art's sake, which I think is so um, exciting to see in this environment, and others are just kind of more, like, traditional I guess tech product platforms which are still um, but with a web through an NFT angle and so that that has been really interesting and exciting for us to kind of get involved across the board Uh, and obviously on top of that we have our own community of uh, hug NFT holders who have basically contributed all of the research and the curation that you see on our platform which is live today. Uh, But yeah, I think back to the question of if somebody was looking for a community or looking to start for a community, where do you start? Uh, And I would say that I think before starting a community of your own, you have to be a part of one. Uh, And to really understand like, you know, first of all, what makes a community? I think it's a word that gets thrown around a lot, but there is like a secret sauce that goes into every single community and the vibes and the culture and the values are all completely different. Um, So, you know, before starting one, I would probably first ask, do you actually need to start another one and why you would want to start one? Like, what are you bringing to the table that is different from all of the existing communities that exist out there and how are you going to find these new community members? Are they going to be outside of Web3 entirely? Are they going to be within Web3? Uh, Do these people already have a community that they call home outside of Twitter? Or, um, or, you know, all these captive audiences that are waiting to, you know, find like their home and find a place that they come to every single day. Uh, But yeah, I mean, community building is a, it's it's definitely nuanced, right? Like, I think we all are juggling so many different things in our lives. You know, Web3, like not all of us have the luxury of being able to work in Web3 full time. So I think when building a community, we always have to have that grace in terms of people having to leave and then come back and yet still being equally welcoming um, of all of, of all, all of them and what they have to contribute and offer. That
0: is uh, such an incredible point I, that I think can be applied to any community, whether it's web two or web three, sometimes life is just a lot, especially I feel like in this summer and fall busy season yeah. for everyone. And sometimes you need to just like go tend to, the flowers in the garden or your children or whatever it may be and then come back full force so that's one of the biggest things that i've i've heard a lot of people in this space say is that they do kind of just run into burnout because they are juggling a web 2 jobs their lives And I know you travel all over the globe, you are super into fitness, I don't know if you're still doing like fitness instruction on top of everything else you're doing, how do you find those ways to balance everything?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think balance is a hard one in this space for sure. Like I uh, I, I, don't give um, fitness, I don't do fitness instruction anymore, but I've always been very committed to my own personal fitness, but I would say even that has taken a little bit of a backseat. Like I used to be very on top of my fitness and my nutrition and like making sure I get a certain number of steps in every single day, like all of like crazy tracking, right? Like whatever gadget you've come across, I probably have tried it before or I'm wearing it. Um, So I would say that definitely some things have had to give um, like this year, Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I think it's also important to realize or to recognize that there's always so much more than, you know, one aspect of your life that you can succeed at, And that's something that I, I firmly believed in for the longest time. Like, so even if work and career is important you know, you need to set aside certain bits of time to explore other things that you could be successful at. So I definitely still, you know, try and make it to the gym four times a week, like, like try and get my wins there. They have absolutely nothing to do with Web3. Um, and then obviously still try my best to stay on top of everything that's, that's going on and, and obviously carve out enough time for my family, my dog, and you know, all of these other things that are really important to me outside of whatever is going on in Web3.
0: I love promoting a a multifaceted being since we all are one. (laughs) So it's like stripping of a singular label and just tackling yourself with all the labels that you could ever possibly want and winning in them all. I I know one of the things that I had mentioned on your plate is the travel. Um, And I know you used to be in Singapore and now you're in LA, but before we hopped on, you were just saying you're going to London soon. So I'm curious uh, from your perspective, you're also bringing together these, these communities and artists, which I imagine are global, is there differences around the world that you've seen of onboarding into Web3 and accessibility and people, you know, actually using it in real life? Yeah, no, and
1: I think that's a great question. And, you know, I would say that by far, crypto and Web3 is probably the most global industry that I have ever worked on so far in my entire life. I think that um, and I guess that's the whole point of digital currencies: is, is that you're not kind of confined to like whatever various government regulations or rulings there are, um, uh, or, or rather that the interoperability across like chains and everything. But um, you, this. I guess, in spite of that, though the onboarding for every for every person, depending on where they're from, I would say is very different. So, you know, I was living in Singapore up until last year. So, um, you know, for me, like I couldn't like Coinbase wouldn't KYC me because I didn't have a long enough like credit history in the US. So I had to still purchase like my crypto through a Singapore exchange and whatever, um, and obviously Singapore has its own sets of regulations for what exchanges are there. So I would say that there are definitely differences in the onboarding process. But the moment you are onboarded, I guess the moment you have your non-custodial wallet and the moment you have some crypto to kind of kick things off, like that's when the culture gets a little bit more global and kind of stands on its own rather than having, um, you know, rather than having very distinctive differences. I think at the same time, though, know, as much as it's been amazing to be involved in online communities, there's always a magic when people get together and meet up in real life. Like I think we've experienced A lot of that this year, when a lot of conferences were back in person for the first time in a couple of years, and just being able to meet all these people that you were chatting to day in and day out and and having those connections, like, you know, be really solidified in person. So, um, and I think. Back on the question around accessibility, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these events are still in the US, Uh, like, so even though they are fun kind of, you know, local community events, I think there's definitely much more that can be done in terms of having big global events travel around the globe. I know it is actually going to be a great one um, at the end of the month in Singapore, and I wish I could be back for that because it just sounds like so incredible and so fun. But unfortunately, I have this wedding to attend. But, But, you know, I think that's a great example of how organizers are looking at different hubs around the world and how they can bring conversation and bring people together. And hopefully that, you know, breaks down the barriers of education to really onboard more people into Web3.
0: Maybe I can step in for you. I have never been to Singapore, and I would absolutely love to. <laughs> so hopefully Web3 will take me around the world soon enough. Um, but on that topic of education, onboarding, I know you guys mentor a, a ton of both... It's creators and businesses in the space, right? People starting projects. What are... Is there any trend lines or through lines of some of the biggest things that we need to demystify about the space or that people just don't understand or that people are still just a little bit critical about anything like that that you're seeing?
1: Um, I mean, I think that just like any new space, there's always some kind of hesitation before diving in and I would say that this is a space where in some ways you just kind of have to do it and just jump in there and put yourself out there. I think one thing that people don't realize is that the space is so new that even if someone is, you know, is quote, unquote, an expert, that person has maybe been in this space for what, two years, like compared to, I don't know, traditional institutions, right? Like I said, I came from a finance background, like these financial institutions have been around for decades, right? So that that hierarchy in terms of knowledge, in terms of experience is a lot more pronounced versus here in web three, where honestly, things are changing every single day, like even in the past few months, like, we've seen trends come and go like you're not sure like which trend is going to say which trend is going to last so i think for web 3 in particular like i would say you in some ways you just kind of have to dive in while while being safe um you just kind of have to dive in uh and then always be curious and always be willing to learn and unlearn and i've i've said this uh, many times if you're if Somebody's going to enter the space and chase every single trend. You probably would not even have built anything in that period of time because things are just changing so quickly. And so I think sometimes, even though this is a fast evolving space, going back to basic startup business principles in terms of, you know, this is the problem that we're solving. This is this is my why. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm the right person to be solving this problem. All of these great um, principles that apply to any business outside of Web3 should never be forgotten. But at the same time, you have to be adaptable and and constantly having a lookout for, you know, what's happening around you.
0: I I want to pull out something very specific that you said, which is awesome, because I feel like it. It comprises what adulting really is. It's just learning and unlearning. <laughs> I feel like that's all all we do as adults, um, is like take things from your childhood and be like, you know what? I want to do that over or write that differently or believe this instead. Um, so what are, what are some of the things that you have learned, uh, whether big picture about the industry, I know you have a passion for how Web three intersects with consumer goods, um, or just like small picture about yourself, and we won't we won't hold this against you in a few months from now, <laughs> in case you decide to unlearn it and write over it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I
1: mean I think like in in Web three, um, I would say I definitely underestimated how much of a cultural language um, there is um, and that needs to be. Um, and, and especially at this early stage that someone that, that someone is new to has to immerse themselves in. Um, and I I don't mean this to be like, I think we should always keep Web3 a really fun and inclusive space. Like if somebody is to ask a question, like, what does that mean? Like, there's no reason to shut anybody down to say that you don't belong here. But at the same time, like I think. Any industry that is kind of niche, I mean, on the grand scheme of things is extremely niche, um, has in some ways its own culture, its own language. And I mean, more like social and cultural language. And a lot of this is really important to how you communicate and connect with others. Um, I definitely think that that will change eventually as, um, you know, as 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 the industry matures. But definitely for right now, I think that's something that I've learned that is so critical and i think in the beginning when i first joined i used to feel like oh you know i don't need to understand any of these memes like i don't consider myself a very funny person so it's yeah, fine and the
0: gms the, yeah, the, the fud exactly. all of the acronyms yeah and
1: i'm like yeah, you know this is so ridiculous like why are they making this so difficult for other people to understand right and i think it's less about people being Deliberately making it difficult for people to understand, but people really coming together and feeling this is why they have this sense of belonging and that loyalty and the initial customer loyalty or community loyalty is so important at this stage of the process. Um, You know, at the same time, like I said, this does not mean that we can't do continue doing the good work in terms of breaking down the barriers for more and more people to get on board to to tell people what GM actually means, right? Um, so so I think that's one um, big thing that that I've learned. Um, and I think like the other thing that I mentioned, I've also learned that things can really flip its head like uh, very, very quickly. Like I formal, formally entered a space at the start of the year when the market was very bullish, it was very frothy. It almost felt like any collection that you launched like was going to be successful. And it felt like there was a certain playbook for doing um, for launching a collection. And I think right now, like because industry dynamics have changed so much, right? We're seeing we have seen so many PFP um, collections, and and the, and we've realized that oh, they haven't done that well now. Um, and so I think what has worked in the past doesn't necessarily mean it will work in the future. And like I said, being able to kind of immerse yourself in what's happening and yet having a really strong point of view is super critical to you know. To still survive, I think we're all in this mode of trying to survive and making sure that we're still here when things get really good and the industry matures.
0: I love it. And I know Hug is one of those projects that will be sticking around regardless of the market that we are in. Um, So, is there anything else that you want to add about what's next for Hug or next for you on the horizon? Things to get excited about? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, we've been working on hug now
1: since um, February, February or March, um, I guess, so it's been just over six months, we have this amazing platform that we're building, which allows us to really solve in that challenge of discovery for new creators. And I think, you know, I talked about a creator economy. Like over the past ten years, we've seen the explosion of the creator economy, right? Whether it's through these social media applications, whether it's these new paths, um, new career paths that people have been able to explore. But now, I think with Web three, there is yet another um, impetus for people to explore being creators. So for the first time, they can really monetize directly from the people that are consuming their content and they can also you know be in direct contact with them i think which is something that we never really got to see in the web two days right uh, and i think as a result of that creators uh, create a space a lot of challenges in this new web 3 wall it's harder to stand out there is so much information it's very noisy we're all beholden to the algorithm um, and so we re- feel really passionately about how There is a new breed of creators, which are essentially curators, and what we are really hoping to build a hug is a platform that can allow these creators to be easily discovered, and they're easily discovered because there's another group of pacemakers that have assembled, you know, these are the creators that you should be paying attention to if you like this particular style. If you're looking for this particular project with a specific mission. So, um, you know, we're excited to continue building that out. We have a few hundred projects that are already on the platform that we community curated. At the moment, the platform is still early, but we are rolling out additional features in the next couple of weeks, really giving people the ability to interact and engage with the platform directly. Uh, and, you know, building in more curatorial tools to make curation a fun and social experience. And at the same time, if you are a creator that is going through our accelerator program, you already have now a new distribution platform to get you know, to be connected to a bunch of um, collectors or a bunch of um, customers that are now looking to discover you. So, you know, we're really excited to keep growing the Hug ecosystem, tie everything that we've been doing together and, you know, also reward all of our early community members for being with us along the way.
0: You just gave me an adjective that I want to use to describe myself and women in Web3 as a curator, not a creator. I think that is so incredible for people who... I mean, people say all the time, oh, I can't draw. I just can do stick figures or whatever. Yeah. Like they might want to be out there appreciating the art, the projects, the tech, the the amazing project leaders, um, but not be out there, you know, putting out their own content. So it's really cool that you are are giving people that chance to curate and and still build off of, you know, their community with that and just identifying and being those tastemakers for the space. So, yeah, I,
1: mean, I like to say curators are a new creators for sure. <laughs>
0: ah, that will be the title of this episode. We're <laughs> writing it down. <laughs> For people who want to follow both you, your your curators, Hug, um, where should they go? And they absolutely should because I am a Hug NFT holder, I get the newsletter, big fan, and I can vouch that you guys are an incredible resource for anyone looking to get into the space.
1: Oh well, thank you so much well. I, I appreciate that. Yes, to learn more about Hug,' I'll definitely follow us on Twitter at the Hug XYZ you can also check out our platform that is live on thehug.xyz and yes i highly recommend signing up for our newsletter because the space is overwhelming enough as it is so i, I do but personally the email newsletter is my favorite it's a really quick and easy way to get updated on everything that is going on and in terms of what we're building what we're putting out every single week uh, and then for me personally like well, you can follow me at dev soon i write the occasional twitter thread i like to build in public, share very openly about the challenges that um, I face, how, you know, we can continue to promote ourselves and do better in Web3. I talk occasionally about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the space as well. Uh, And yeah, in general, I'm just really, I'm always open to connect with more people. I feel like I got my start in Web3 because a lot of people were kind um, towards me. And I feel Um, in a space as early as this which is one of my favorite things about the space is that we're all in this really giving um, stage I think they are all in this position where we're all giving before we expect to take or to receive and that's something that's so precious I don't know if it will always remain that way but at least for right now that's how it is and so I'm always always looking to connect with more creators and more people that are just new or curious about web3 in general.
0: I want to end it there kindness over everything (laughs) you guys heard it here first the hug is the best giving hugs to everyone um so Debbie thank you so much for coming on today I will be sure to link all of those handles and websites the newsletter in the show notes for people to follow along
1: sounds good well thank you so much for having me
0: thank you Thank you all so much for listening today. If you enjoyed today's guest and podcast, be sure to write, subscribe, comment, all the things, and definitely get in touch. I love to connect with y'all. I love to hear what you're working on, any feedback or comments. If you want to meet a guest, if you want to be a guest, just reach out. You can find me, your host, Carly Long, at by Carly Long on all social media platforms. You can subscribe to my weekly newsletter, which is also Women in Web 3, and you can follow along at Weld Recruiting. Be sure to let us know however we can support you, and we look forward to our next episode.